I'm Anna Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. Hello, welcome back. I am feeling like a business lady today because we're talking about Q2. But guess what? I'm not going to talk about, you know, profits or any of the stuff I think we normally associate when people start talking about quarterly projections. No, it's going to be fun. It's going to be much cooler than that because... Astrology angel, casting agent, general woman about town, Vanessa Hardy is back today to talk about the astrology we have upcoming because she's a real gem. I appreciate that when I asked her or was like, oh my gosh, Q2 is coming out. We got to, we got to talk about it. She had a plan that she said, I think we should record after the new moon on the 20th and plan for a three, seven release. And I was like, you're a woman after my own heart. I appreciate the thought. I appreciate the detail. I appreciate the infusing the stars in a podcast. So please enjoy episode 64 with Vanessa Hardy, uh, Q2 Astrology. Well, I already uh, spoiled the surprise and told Vanessa that I'd been listening to Doughboys before this and wanted to do a Cajun accent, but <laughs> and pretend we were in a bayou. Um, but nope, that's not that's not what we're gonna do today. Today is not, despite it being the day after Ash Wednesday, and we had you know Fat Tuesday, and it is the Lent season. We are not gonna bring up. New Orleans vibes. But what we are going to do is Vanessa's back today and we're going to talk about the astrology of Q2, which makes me feel like we're business ladies. Like we're here to discuss, you know, second quarter. Um, Makes me feel very official. So thank you for joining me today and thank you for being willing when I told you that I was going to do a Cajun accent earlier that you're like, you know, I would have gone with it, right? So... Vanessa's back for many wonderful reasons. <laughs> That's that mutability in me. All my mutable planets are like, okay, we're doing accents today. I love it. Let's see where this takes us. <laughs> oh, we're doing accents today. I love it. <laughs> That's a, the, you know, it's funny you say that because my friend Nicholas, who I adore, sent me a meme that was like, something about earth signs. And it's funny, my whole plan before we got into today, it was like, oh, I'm really just going to let Vanessa talk. I don't really have questions. And then now I'm immediately starting this with a question slash like request for you. He sent me this meme that was about earth signs. And it was like, if you want to get anything done, like you have to ask an earth sign. And I was like, not really. You know, because I forget how, because I was like, you want a cardinal sign, you know, like, can you explain cardinal, fixed, and mutable? Yeah. I also found when I really understood that and understood it in my own chart, and because like two of my signs are cardinal, and that gave me a lot of insight into like what I call my energetic temperament and like who I work well with. And when I dated somebody who their sun, moon, and rising were all mutable, and I was like... <laughs> 
he's a liar, you know, and all this stuff. He wasn't, he, I mean, he was a little bit. He definitely was a little bit. He told some half truths. There was a, I wasn't totally, totally wrong. But he was also just super mutable. And I didn't really understand how to work with that energy. I just didn't really get what came with. I would be like, you change your mind all the time. And it was really his mutability, I think, that I was reacting to now in hindsight than it was like who he was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's, there's so much there that I love, but I'll start with your original <laughs> question and then we can kind of noodle around in there for a sec. So first, yeah. So we have cardinal fixed and mutable, which are the different ways of expressing energy of the sign. And they represent the start of a season, the center of the season, and then it's exit. And so cardinal signs are Aries, Cancer, and then Libra, which that's always a fun one because you associate Virgo with fall, but really Virgo is late summer. So it's a little pro yeah. tip. Um, so uh, Libra is that cardinal fall energy, and then cardinal winter is Capricorn. So these are the seasons and energies where we're sort of regrouping on the start of that next season. And then fixed, we have Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. So these are energies that are very set in their ways of expressing, doing, acting. This is the intention is set. So we know that certain things always happen in the summer, always happen in fall. We know we can count on it to be hot. We can count on things to be needing to be harvested. And it's kind of like the cardinal energies set up what the plan is for the season, the fixed, mm -hmm. hold it down. And then on the exit, which is, I mean, I'm partial because it's most of my chart is mutable, but mutable energy is taking you from one season to the next. So it it's associated with communication. It holds, so that's Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and then Pisces, our final sign. They're communicating into the next season, what has been initiated, cultivated, and then learned and is coming with us into the next cycle. And so that's also why when we talk about mutability being more flexible and a little bit like this and also that, it's because what it's doing is assessing what's coming behind us as well as communicating to the next cardinal energy what needs to go down. And so right now, actually bringing up the expressions in that way is really helpful for Pisces season because Pisces is the last of the 12 and it is also mutable, which is why we have, um, you know, you find a lot of people or a lot of traditions that incorporate fasting and also like spring cleansing, even just like in herbalism and Chinese medicine, we're talking about like cleansing the organs from the winter hibernation mode and whatever you might've taken up a little too much of that sort of thing. We also emotionally tend to be containing a lot throughout the winter. So we start emotionally processing with Pisces. That's, you know, a very strong aspect of that energy processing in different ways, like through creativity, through introspection, you know, you're in your feelings during Pisces season because you've been collecting and processing all of these feelings throughout the year. And then especially through that winter phase. And then also, you know, this lines right up with the various like religious holidays that occur at this time often are kind of about like going underground and then coming back up with a, with an intention. 
Yeah, big rebirth, resurrection vibes. You know, we start to enter into that sort of time, which regardless, it's funny, last night for a brief second, I was like, I'm Catholic, but not super religious or practicing or anything. And I was, I was like, should I fuck around and like practice Lent? Should I give something up for Lent? Like, would that be an interesting experiment? And then I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And obviously like anything, if you do it without, I was like, this would have been a good thought to have like a week ago. So that I could have reminded myself really of not so much the process. There's not a ton of process to Lent, but it, I think anytime you want to participate in a ritual, it's like good to sort of, you know, familiarize yourself with what it is and all of that. But I'm going to Guatemala for Semana Santa this year, which is Holy Week. I was like, oh, that could be kind of fun to like get in the mood. And I'm like, Anna, don't use like religious rites to like get pumped about your vacation. Well, you know, it's funny that you're even mentioning that because that is a big piece of our current astrological journey is the curiosity around religion is only one piece of it, but it's something that I've been wanting to talk about in general because when we had the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction last year in Pisces, which really seeded what I'm looking at it as it seeds the the benefits of what Saturn is now going to hold us accountable to through Saturn's mm. journey through Pisces, because Jupiter and Neptune are both associated with Pisces. Pisces rules them both. Jupiter is the traditional ruler. Neptune is the modern ruler. And they both are ultimately... Um, I mean, Jupiter is known as the benefic, it's good luck, it's generally positive. And then Neptune has like really transcendent aspects, but then of course it also has this other sort of dissociative sense, but together the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction was this seeding of dreamlike positivity and possibility that came after we went through all of our Capricorn transits that caused a lot of upheaval and, and trauma and sadness we were looking to this Pisces energy to find faith and hope. Jupiter and Neptune together, one thing you could say is that they create faith and hope. Mm. But Pisces is also, being as that it's the end of the astrological cycle, it is an energy that is aware of being in nothingness and um, the existential realities of life. And it also does signify an end And so anything associated with Pisces is almost like the life raft you reach for both at the literal end, as well as throughout the many endings in life, right? So religion is a big piece of that. And what we are going to see, and this will be both, I think there's positive aspects and then there there will be challenges around this, but we will see the power of faith being controlled and presented and and it's going to be reawakened in all of us, whether it's subconscious or consciously, but remembering that spirituality, faiths, and then because religion, structured traditional religion is part of that, it's going to be coming up for a lot of people. And we're going to be like reconciling. You know, I think that it's very astrological that we have had over the last year some resurgences of fundamentalism and things around religion that are wielded against the people, essentially, whether they're aware of it or not, it's being used for, there's an ill intent, especially with things that are being shown like about 
abortions, the anti-Semitism that was coming up, all of that is also associated with this time period where we are all going to be having these conversations around how to access divinity and what your authentic way is. And, you know, Pisces is also very known for being associated with creativity, music, and all of these other things. And when you are seeking spirituality, it is often said that anything can be a higher power. And so really the overarching thing too is that it is proven that people are seeking a higher power and need a higher power to really guide them as a beacon through their lives. And so this is a big theme. And I think that, you know, the fact that you're even tuning in in, in curiosity, there's an astrologer who goes by bad pastor and they are holding a class about Lent and astrology that I'm actually going to take because I, I knew that the, these themes are going to be coming up and I saw it online. So I'm starting that on Saturday just to kind of see my ancestry is like rooted in Catholicism, but I didn't really grow up with much. You know, I'm from Connecticut where it's kind of like more like the the liberal, like be religious if you want to be, but also there's a lot of contention around, you know, different things around Catholicism, I guess. And so it's just not, it wasn't a big part of my upbringing aside from my great grandmother. But then when I started doing so much ancestor work with her specifically, and I communicate with her a lot, I actually started kind of exploring from an anthropological lens, Catholicism, so that I could connect to her and my family's lineage. And so that that was something that I that came to me when I was doing my ritual in the Jupiter Neptune conjunction was like, I'm going to need to know how to hold space for people. And I want to know like where these ideas like come from and where they overlap with astrology and mysticism, which we also we know that they do. There is a relationship between the stories of the stars and then the, the stories of that are told in, in different religious texts. So this is all on point. I find religion really interesting because it seems like everything is a system that we're trying to understand the human experience through, you know, for some people that might be football and for other people that's Catholicism. It like, I think it's all sort of the same. And yet when I was growing up, everybody was sort of religious. Like that was a thing, you know, like what church do you go to or what temple? Like I was lucky to grow up, even though I was in Atlanta, which, you know, the South is not exactly known for its tolerance. You can find pockets of it in the South and it's definitely changed a lot now. But when I was a wee babe, it was like if you were practicing some sort of religion, then you were sort of like fine socially. You know, like people didn't super care, Catholic, Christian, Jewish, whatever. And then it became like deeply uncool at some point. And now I find it so interesting with modern wellness that we've made basically instead of just sort of evaluating what should be our relationship with divinity, like you're saying, we created all these like mini cults and empowered all these like humans as gurus and all this stuff. And I'm like, this doesn't seem to be the answer either, <laughs> you know, like, and I right, think for yeah, myself, because there's a lot of about Catholicism, I don't resonate with. And there's a lot about Catholicism that isn't great, that I, I resisted doing any investigation there. I was like, I know that's not for me. But then it's really hard to fully deny 
where you come from. It, that is still the religious iconography I grew up with. That's still how I was introduced to God. You know, like that's still what is coded within me as that's that's the path, you know? I don't think there's any way that that's wrong. If you're Jewish, if you're Muslim, if you're, I mean, there's so many religions out there. I, and a lot of my friends who are not Christian and the past few years are the ones who open back up my relationship like with that with God and thinking of like, what is a higher power to me? What do I really believe in? What is the, there's certain people too, like Liz of Sister Spinster that I really appreciate the way she sort of mixes anim, um, an, animism, animism, I can never say it when you, you believe in like spirits and with her like kind of Catholicism and stuff like that, that I'm like, oh yeah, life is like this entire long journey of just like making it up, making up what you believe in, figuring out what part, like what works for you, what doesn't. And, you know, like, do I believe that on the third day he rose again? I don't know. But do I think that it's worthwhile to teach people themes of resurrection? Yeah, I do. You know, like, so that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm like, once again, here I am evaluating this stuff. It does never get old telling my mom that really I think I'm a pagan that gets that is just still that is a good time and she's like I just worry about yeah. your oh, heathen yeah. soul you know <laughs> but I just find all of that I find it really interesting and every time I'm with friends who are Jewish like uh, my friend Melissa I, you know talk about when her her son's bris and when he was a week, he's eight days old, I think is the tradition. He's being passed around the, is it a congregation if you're Jewish? I don't know, but I'm going to call it that. I don't mean any offense if that's not what you call when you're all gathered. And these older men kissing this newborn baby's feet, I was like, don't lose it. You can't be the Gentile that's weeping in the temple, you know? But I was like... This tradition, the thing I do like about religion, if I can get past the coercion and the control and like there's a lot of misogyny, all of that, if I can get past all that, the community rituals are just, they really move me. And I'm like, I get why we invented religion. I get as a people, you know, why we did it. I, I'm with you. I, I do think we need a higher power. I think you do need, we as human beings need that. So what an interesting time that we'll all be evaluating that. And like, I also found it really interesting being back in Italy, where obviously most people are Catholic there. And now with with the states that religions become so charged and so divisive, it was interesting to be somewhere that's so like, we're all this, you know, like there's going to be statues everywhere. We're going to have the, like the whole town's going to close down for the festival. Like the mass participation is also interesting as well. And the way people reconcile some of that of like all the Italian men we met were like openly cheating on their wives. You know, they're just sort of like, yeah, Mary, but whatever, you know, and yet would be like, oh, I have to go for the festival. It's La, La Madonna. And they're like making the sign of the cross. And I'm like, this is fascinating. All of this is fascinating to me. So who knows? Maybe we're coming into a new age where we're going to make where is religion getting in a rebrand? Are we going to make it like more suited to our modern times? <laughs> you know, not, who who can say? I mean, one thing is that as we were talking, I was reminded of this conversation we had in a psychology class I was taking where they were describing the three different types of research. 
it's like qualitative. And then the other two, I don't remember. So sorry to my teacher. <laughs> Still did well. But, uh, but anywho, but she talked about the hunch preceding research and how in science, hunches are taken just as seriously, right? And so that made me think a lot about different modalities towards accessing purpose or transcendence that exists in all of us is we are born with a, with a spirit, with a constitution, with a psychology that is prone towards hunches. And it's used in like a really linear way, like to find out factual stuff that like helps our, our bodies and our technology and all of that. But what that also just really is, is like your sensitivity to spirituality. And then something had to be created to contain the hunch. And so we have this hunch that life is not just in this body, in this time, you know, I eat, I sleep, I sex, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's a lot more to it. And so when we started having all of these feelings, we had to come together, whether it's, you know, in like the tribal sense, in a religious sense, in a creative sense. And so I think that what we will be finding is a new leaf being turned around all types of ways of connecting to this like uniting sense of seeking. And I think that for a while, these bigger religions were just the more acceptable or mainstream ways of like coming together in that way. But then those have also been sort of co-opted as ways to control people just as other forms of capitalism that we've already dismantled over, especially astrologically, like, well, maybe not successfully at all, but have been discussing the dismantling of these structures. And so now what we're really meeting when Saturn enters Pisces is there will be things coming up socially where we will be questioning and refining our relationship to the acceptance of whatever way you are accessing your highest self, the best person you can be, and also your most mystical self, ideally, would be through any of these like modalities. And when we're talking about Saturn, we are talking about challenges too. So I'm definitely don't want to glaze it over by being like, oh, everyone's going to like start finding their own, you know, way of uh, worshiping divinity and everything's going to be fine. It's not that at all, actually. What it really is, is just as much as um, we will have this opportunity to strengthen as individuals our respect and knowledge of the unnameable forces that kind of exist around us and motivate our existence, we also are just as much going to see that like weaponized against us. And so we need to be, rather than rejecting it, almost like making friends with it so that we can protect people that perhaps find purpose and safety in these things, even if they're not for us. Yeah. And so that's kind of what, as I was seeing this coming, this has been a part of my personal practice because I knew that this was going to be kind of the next page being turned. And I, I've been really interrogating on my own, like, what, how do you feel about all of these things? And what, and who are you going to be like within that? Because I have, once I moved to New York, I just kind of randomly have quite a, a few good friends who had very traumatic religious experiences and then kind of because of that also are weary of even things like meditation or, or other, other forms yeah. of working with, um, you know, working with spirituality. And that I think is going to be something that I want to participate in like remedying and holding space for too, is just whatever 
whatever you feel most comfortable with, being open and having a connection to yourself and your community will just help you sit with the things that either don't work for you or do work for you. And then also within that, we really, if you want to be protecting people and making sure that people are safe and feel safe, because that was, I like to believe, although I'm no like religious historian, but the point of these structures being created, these, um, these, philosophies being presented was ultimately to unite people. And so we do want to be trying to figure out how we can remain like united and equal and protect each other because they are something that give people purpose when things like the government fail them just as much as they are also can be used by the government to control things. Yeah. I was listening. Do you know Nora McInerney? She has the podcast, Terrible Things We're Asking. And I was listening to her latest book and she was talking about a woman, I can't remember if she knew in high school or college, who was like the party girl, the glamorous party gal. And she happened to like find out that she was now a nun. And she was like, what? You know, like how and corresponded with her. And I appreciated like the essay she wrote about it of just like the whole thing of how she saw herself, like that this person like wanted to like have good times and gallivant with her. And now to think that she's also some sort of nun that's like very much in it, you know, like very much went a different direction and is like really, really happy and satisfied and, and all of this stuff. And I thought, it was really interesting to listen to. And I think both sides of the extremes are interesting of people who live lives of intense devotion or the people who are like, nope, no part of it for me. And I'm like, I will be curious to see. I do feel for the people, like you said, who had have a lot of religious trauma and it, it is a for real thing. But it makes me sad sometimes what that trauma's done and what it, how it's cut them off from themselves or their spirituality. So I'll be curious to see what conversations does it spark? What do we start to see sort of come into the collective consciousness? And you're saying this is sort of becoming a theme now or we're, we're moving into it? Yeah. So, so when Saturn will enter Pisces on March 7th, and it will be there until... I believe that's the day that this is released, I think. I had a feeling that might be the case. Yeah. <laughs> when we when I, when I you asked me to record, I just was like, logistically, oh, I bet this is going to drop. Well, funny thing mm -hmm. about that is that it's also full moon in Virgo that day. And it's mm -hmm. going to be kind of like a... It is like a, a great day for delivery. So <laughs> if you are listening to this on March 7th and you are dropping something or delivering something, may it be blessed. <laughs> <laughs> but this conversation, I would say last year, the Jupiter Neptune conjunction, which was in April, that caused the stirrings mm. of now what the, the structure is going to be kind of built around in the more tangible conversations. I think I remember when I was talking to you actually about Pluto in the last episode, and this is a totally different energy than Pluto's, not what I mean, but I was talking to you about how Pluto in Capricorn kind of had a couple different phases of like consciousness because Pluto moves very slowly in a totally different way. This is kind of a similar shift we're having where at the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, that was an event that was being associated a lot also just with like creative and cultural renaissance and rebirth post like the big 2020 like 
COVID astrological journey. But it was, again, a cycle that was beginning that that is, it's making an imprint for many years, but Saturn's coming in to like get it organized. So it's almost like last year there were stirrings of it, there was bubbling, you might have had like your own ideas about, and and not just, we talked a lot about religion, but that is, that's a small piece of what this is. This is also, you know, all of the, the Piscean just general tapping into our intuition and empathy and compassion and creativity in other ways started stirring at this conjunction. And now Saturn is coming in and basically kind of being like, okay, like you want to take this powerful Pisces energy because in its own way, Pisces is very powerful because it is that all in a way, like quietly all knowing that like at the end, we all just disintegrate into spirit only, like the body goes and the the Pisces body exists and none of us know exactly where it goes, right? So Saturn is coming in to kind of be like, all right, you really want to start talking about that? You really want to bring (laughs) that? Like, and also Saturn is like, well, you better bring that because Saturn is like, no, this is the assignment we're doing. And so Saturn's really coming in on March 7th to be like, all right, people, you want more creativity, you want more connection. We want to do some compassion. You want to start bringing more into the forefront, like the real reality of the whole kind of journey that we're on. Let's go. Here are the lessons. And it, and it, what's nice is that it will be validating to everyone who's interested in astrology, tarot, all of all of the spiritual modalities. It'll be validating for artists who have maybe if you're an artist who has kind of felt like for whatever reason, it's like not a legitimate place mm-hmm. to put your energy or a job or that it doesn't make enough of an impact socially or culturally it creativity is necessary beauty is necessary and Saturn's really coming in to be like okay like if your soul or your archetype is artist creator communicator through feeling you better do some work because we need you and I'm going to hold you to that standard and you know this is why people get uncomfortable with Saturn is because like he's he's got gifts for you I don't mean to yeah. gender Saturn either whole thing. But, you know, Saturn, Saturn is the course load that you are given before you get that diploma and get to really do your thing. So it's not like Saturn, you know, when we talk about Saturn, you know, being this malefic, or when people fear the fear the Saturn return, it's like, yeah, it's gonna be hard if you're not paying attention, because you do have to work. But it's not someone coming in like, I don't know why I thought of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, like stomping through <laughs> New York. Like it's not, it's not like yes. this energy that comes in, like boom, everything's yes. bad. It's like <laughs> it's a totally, it really is. Like I have a Saturn tattoo because I'm like, put me in, put me in the the structure, like help, because I have stuff I want to do, but I need Daddy to help. You're also a Virgo. Like I feel like yes. a, a Virgo <laughs> having a Saturn tattoo is like is an astrology meme right there. I feel like that is just like when everybody else like dreads Pisces season, I'm like, whatever. They're like, oh yeah, because you're a cancer, like with a water moon. I'm like, yes, I swim in the depths always. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have n- little Neptune tattooed on me, which feels like, you know, yes, like love. that's ugh, that's very funny to me. I agree though, like with Saturn, I think Saturn's gotten a bad rap, like because of Saturn return. And I get a lot of people who come to me for readings and like, I'm going through my Saturn return. And, and I'm like, listen, back in my day, we didn't even know that's what was happening. And yet somehow we survived it. Like, if you're so worried about this stuff, it tells me you're maybe not 
paying attention to something. So like, just pay attention to that thing. Because exactly, it's not Stay Puft. Even if Stay Puft is coming through your life going like, you know, I was trying to think of what Safe Puff says, but I don't think anything. I just keep seeing the smiling face because they, they look a little like a stoned baby in Ghostbusters. I know. But anyway, if Saturn comes in and does like fuck your shit up, that's probably because you hadn't been tending to your garden, you know, and it's a, similar to tower energy, like tower. These things aren't your fault, quote unquote, but you've played a part in them needing to be dismantled and needing to be sort of course corrected. And tower energy, I equate to Saturn or a Saturn return where when the tower card comes in a reading, it's generally things are being dismantled that have been built upon foundations of false self-belief. And I think Saturn's sort of similar that if you're settling or you're kind of punking out in some way or you're avoiding something, Saturn's like, uh-uh-uh. The way I've experienced it, Saturn's like made me choose things. If I was either going to like mm -hmm. choose complacency or I was going to choose excellence or whatever, it's gone, no, no, no. I want you to see it and I want you to choose it. There's no like avoidance, you know? So we don't need all this fear mongering. It's literally being reminded that we have the agency of choice. Yeah. Well, you, you really tapped in on it because the thing with Saturn and choosing is one thing that can be very hard with really any Saturn transit. Saturn hits your moon this time around or ever, you know, Saturn hitting the sun but then for sure in the Saturn return, there is a certain element of like solitude and also like Saturn strips down. So Saturn says, listen, you're, you're a really talented dancer, but on top of dancing, like you always seem to be like going to, I don't know, this painting class. Well, like you can't go to the painting class if you want to be a famous ballerina and you are meant to be that. So we're going to mess up your journey to the painting class. I don't know what I'm doing with these metaphors, but, <laughs> but basically it's like, it, if there are things in your life that don't really have to do with your true purpose and karma. Anytime Saturn's coming around, it's trying to just remove things out of your life that, so that you do have to choose, but the choosing Saturn is about commitment. When we look at Sinastri, mm -hmm. even when if we're looking at like, does this have long-term potential, or even if we are looking at like when to maybe pick a marriage date, we would look at some positive Saturn aspects because it indicates a commitment to that particular agreement that is going to take shape. That's really interesting. Am I a commitment foe because Saturn squares my Venus? <laughs> I'm kidding, but her face is making me think like I'm not totally wrong. <laughs> not, no, not, not no. I mean, I think your Venus being in Gemini also, I think the Venus and Gemini thing also is just like, I kind of just like want a, a sample, if I may. It, it, it makes me laugh every time I get an astrology reading with the Venus and Gemini. They always have a lot of questions for me. They're like, are you polyamorous? Are you bisexual? Are you all these things? Because they're like, that Venus and Gemini is like, ooh, life is one big flirt. Let's get it, you know? And it just makes me laugh. And I'm like, no, not really. Like that, that cancer man comes in and is like, no, we all behold into one heart, you know? Like it's just sort of funny how it all mixes together. But I just happen to know because of that square. I actually love that about you also knowing you because first of all we're, when we're talking about the mutability and everything gemini and virgo 
are mutable signs. And when they're in a square, a mutable square is one of the only not super contentious squares oh. because it's basically two entities trying to come to an agreement. It's like they're coming up against each other, but they can be integrated because of the mutability. And they're both ruled by Mercury. Both of those signs are ruled by Mercury. So in your chart, because of the sign association, it's a little bit more, you know, knowing you and knowing like your sense of humor and like the types of dudes you like. (laughs) It's like the Cancer with the Venus and the Saturn also just shows me someone who like is going to be a really fun ride or die who like needs someone to like be into their sense of humor. If they're not into your sense of humor, it's definitely not going to work because you you might feel like insecure about your sense of humor. You might make yourself smaller in order to show that you're committed, that you, you know, there's all these other like more nuance. When we get into like the personal readings, there's a whole other, whole other way of looking at it. But yeah, like the Saturn, the Saturn and Venus square certainly indicates that there is like um, a selectivity and action, like a real like negotiation and action. And it, it and it's faded for you. Like it's something that you are meant to work out. And, you know, for anyone as Saturn is entering Pisces, like looking at your, definitely looking at your other mutable placements, looking at your Virgo placements, Gemini and Sag. Virgo opposes Pisces, so your Virgo placements will get in opposition. That's harder. So any of you Virgos who are kind of thinking about this, you might want to check in on your chart or get a reading just to kind of wrap your mind because an opposition is definitely in my opinion, a little more challenging than a square because a square can be dealt with. It's either a fight that eventually ends or it's, a, like I said, a conversation that gets like handled and ultimately could even present a more positive result, like pressure on a, a rock and a diamond, that whole thing. But the oppositions are like two energies that are literally like opposing each other. So causing a little conflict that way. I have to say, to your point, whenever I've had oppositions or that's been the theme in my chart, it has been so helpful to get a reading because there's so much you can mine from it or that's been my experience. I've been able to mine a lot from oppositions, but I've needed the guidance because it's it's in the word. It's literally opposite. So it's just not as intuitive of, of when sometimes you're being invited or have the, the space to sort of think on something else or explore something else. Like you can kind of like follow the breadcrumbs. And I find sometimes when, when there's like, when it's, it's that oppositional energy, you're, you're just more like, what the fuck? You know, like it just doesn't, it's just not as intuitive to be like, what is the assignment here that I agree that it can be so helpful when someone's like, ah, this is what's up. You know, like this is where, your energy will benefit from being designated here or I co-sign that and say that as a person who knows enough about this stuff to be dangerous but doesn't have any real breadth of knowledge that when someone really does explain these things to you it's it's so helpful especially that is um a scenario that I've like been able to just get a lot out of it you know like learn a lot and get insight into things that have been maybe historically sticky yeah exactly I was just gonna say that thing is that oftentimes, in a, especially with an opposition, that is a situation where you might feel, you know, I mean, anxiety can come up because you don't know what to, you feel pulled in two directions and that's very triggering in general. Yeah. And then, you know, if it, if it's depending on the point that it's pulling on or even the other aspects that are involved in the chart, it could be a really uncomfortable experience where you genuinely like need a little support. Mm-hmm. I agree. What else we got coming for us? 
So we talked about it a little in the last pod, but I want to regroup on it um, (laughs) because it's pretty important. But Pluto enters Aquarius on March 23rd. It's coming. So March is a big month. Yeah. Pluto's coming. Pluto is dipping into Aquarius. And honestly, I think that this is going to be, it's going to be intense. (laughs) But the reason why is that it's, it's only going to be there until June and then it will retrograde back into Capricorn and then go back into Aquarius for good at the end of the year. So the thing about, you know, the initial ingress always brings up like new shocking stuff because Pluto is like the private investigator. When you think about like a Plutonian thing, like a a Pluto transit could be like finding out you're getting cheated on. Like you have the initial like, oh my God, I found the text. And that's like so shocking. But then there's a whole journey of ups and downs that typically happen after that. There's various stages of like denial, you're having conversations and you think it's okay. And maybe you're trying to stick it out. And then you're like, no way, you're a serial cheater. We're (laughs) never going to do this. So this whole chaotic thing, right? But this spring, when Pluto enters Aquarius, you know, because Pluto is this big generational planet as well, it is going to be a turbulent month. Between Saturn entering Pisces first and then this uh, this Pluto thing and just kind of like where we're at culturally, astrologically, it's going to be a huge shift and it will likely, one thing I've been suggesting to a lot of people is to be doubling down on like, not necessarily to, to stop at all paying, to, paying attention to astrology, but to remember you're tempering anything that is more in the mind with a lot of physical and like nervous system hygiene, Mm. a lot of meditation, energy work, all of the the light stretching, the yoga, moving, moving things through the body, integrating, and just remembering like that whole like vagus nerve relationship from, you know, the, the brain gut situation, just making sure to not get so in the upper chakras, really this, this whole next 15 years that Pluto is in this sign because we're going to be having a lot of information overload and between Saturn being in Pisces and then Pluto going through Aquarius, both of these signs are also associated with a lot of like new age thought. And I can even attest to just like when I have a week of doing too many sessions, I kind of am dissociated by the end of the week if I'm not on top of my hygiene, like my energy hygiene and my my eating and everything. And that is something that like collectively we may experience. So my one area of like I mean, there's a lot of areas of concern with Pluto entering Aquarius that also have to do with like bigger concepts of like authoritarianism and all of these things. But I don't want to freak people out or even get into that too much because yeah, my point of view and my sort of intention, at least right now, is just helping people feel well into these changes, you know. But one thing that I'm I'm just concerned about the collective sort of lack of really valuing. I think we aren't yet. I'm just thinking about people who are not in my like spiritual community, whether it's my friends or my family. I'm like, guys, I'm not just telling you to rest because you look tired. I'm telling you to rest because your nervous system needs rest because we are energetically entering a period of time that can feel really intense if you don't. So I don't think we have any idea. Like I've been dealing with all this stuff since I got diagnosed as diabetic and I have major insulin resistance. And at some point, maybe I'll do an episode on chronic illness. Who knows? I'm exhausted all the fucking time. And it's made me really look at that and 
to Vanessa's point, I would recommend the book, The Practice of Not Thinking. I haven't finished it because it hurt my feelings about telling me not to walk around listening to my AirPods. So we got in a fight and I quit reading it. However, I did still reap benefit because to your point about like being on top of our practices, and I know this is not a hot take, social media. I think I've become a lot more aware. I am someone who thinks a lot and I've always said that I smoke pot so that I think less. And I've become more mindful of controlling how much I'm thinking and how much I'm thinking about something or how many opinions I'm allowing into my mind space because I don't want to just get stoned. I don't want to, you know, getting stoned is a form of escapism and it's a form of disassociation if we're being real, real. And I don't want it to get to that point. So I've been trying best I can to strip back and not just be in that mental space. Because for me, it's a place of comfort. I like my brain. I'm I'm confident in it. That it is nice sometimes to just always be in that space. And then it's harder, I think, sometimes to really see the ways in which it is very much physically draining you. I've just become more, as I've been trying to reclaim a lot of my mental space, I've been made more aware of how overrun it was. We're not designed to take on board as much energy, as much energy, yes, but also as much information as we are right now. And something that's helped me is thinking that the only thing left to colonize is our attention and being really mindful of who I'm allowing to take my attention has been helpful. I also want to know when Pluto moves into Aquarius, am I going to find out that all my friends secretly hate me since it's my 11th house? (laughs) I like just asking (laughs) these personal questions. No, but it's funny, like when you're, you know, I... That's a good point to kind of bring up. Is it I become the authoritative regime and become... A dictator? <laughs> you become the cult leader. I, I mean, honestly, that that that's what's going to happen. No, but when Pluto when Pluto enters an area of our chart, aside from you know what it may be doing to various planets, it puts a, a little bit of a fixation mm-hmm. on that that area, and it's just natural. You're just going to be paying more attention to it because ultimately, what Pluto's doing is like they're digging around. So you know, I had Pluto going through the sixth house from you know 2008 till now, the Pluto transit. It happens to be that my moon's there, but before it even reached my moon, like I was obsessed about work and health and you Mm -hmm. text with me enough to know I'm still talking about it, but, and that's something I care about. But you're also having different insights, which is interesting. Exactly. Right, right, right. Because that was, that was exactly the journey. And I was going to say, I feel like lately about my social life and friends, like I've been getting these little glimmers of like, oh, what if... You know, like I'm kind of down to clown with anyone, you know, like for better or worse. But I'm like, you know, as my therapist says, she's like, you're vetting. We have to work on your vetting. (laughs) She's like, you know, and I I think that that's what I've been thinking about of like, what would that look like if I had more of a vetting process or I if I really was, you know, being a lot more thoughtful, maybe of what I was calling into my life or, you know, all of that. I was like, so it was just kind of funny when you're talking about this stuff and I'm like, hmm, curious. I've seen a little bit of the, a little bit of the glimmer there, you know? Well, also what we want to remember is that you, you and we all have had Saturn going through Aquarius first. 
So wherever Saturn is going, has been going through your chart, it has been doing the like the cleanup. It's been saying you're not, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. You're not in alignment. And Aquarius, remember also Aquarius, first of all, rules the 11th house. So for you, it's, it's very clear that this would be a significant transit because it's, it's already in, it's not only in its home sign, but it's also in it's the sign or the house that it rules. So you have Saturn going through that 11th house talking about like for you being aligned with the values and like the state of mind of the people around you is really important. And perhaps up until this time you hadn't, or maybe at least this last, you know, however many years you have found your way where you were maybe you were seeking like-minded people and had a little trouble finding the right exact right mix or right community. And so while Saturn was going through your 11th house, doing a little bit of a cleanup, you've had these realizations, revelations, and you've been like, okay, I know like what I want and what I don't want. And then Pluto is going to come through and really do the like final. Now you're really, I think more going to be rebuilding, but you're just going to be really like required to use those Saturn lessons to navigate whatever Pluto brings your way. Yeah. I would say what Vanessa just said very much tracks in my personal life right now. Yeah. It feels that way. And you might even find yourself having a little anxiety about that at first. Like you might even be like hyper. I could see you being both very eager to find community. So kind of like maybe going out socially almost a little too much sometimes at first, just kind of being like, where's the vibes? Or there could be um, something where you don't trust people because there is this yeah. like association with sort of seeing beneath and obsessing and not trusting and like wondering, you know, what's going on that you don't see. So you could find yourself having trouble trusting because perhaps while Saturn was going through Aquarius, like you had some learning experiences that ultimately made you go a little into your shell, be a little more protective. And Pluto is perhaps also going to kind of be like, well, it's not about putting a shell on because you want friends. So you're going to have to be willing to risk scary stuff to figure this out because this is this is big for you right now and that's something that can be applied to any area of our chart that aquarius was ruling the last couple years so for anyone listening you can really think about you know for me it was going through my seventh house and so now pluto is going to enter my seventh house so that'll be intense and the seventh house is about not just partnering and collaborating but also things like agreements and contracts you enter into and it's interesting because i'm essentially kind of uh, going more on my own as like half starting my own business. You know, I'm still working in casting, but I, yeah. my astrology, I'm now needing to be like in agreement with myself and bringing in collaborators that I'm, I'm going to have to use the knowledge I learned about all of those things over the last couple of years of building my practice. I'm going to have to really be, continue to be committed to my values and not, you know, not allow. And Pluto going through there and having me kind of feel whether it's scared or like, who can I trust? I'm going to need to learn how to really sharpen the confidence I have around like entering in those agreements and know that something can always, one thing that Pluto shows us is that tragedy can always strike and trauma can always strike. And there does come a point where like, you just have to be, you have to have tools to navigate those things too, because you can't control Pluto. It's an uncontrollable thing that will unearth the hardest stuff and the most unexpected stuff. And you either have the choice to sink or swim. And so we're now at, you know, this was something where we were just starting to get our our footing in understanding what Pluto going through Capricorn was. And now we're going to go through Aquarius 
and have this same experience um, in another Saturn ruled sign, which also means, you know, Pluto and Aquarius with Aquarius being an air sign, this is also going to be a lot more of a mental thing versus a like more visceral, physically lived experience. But, you know, what you say about social media in particular, that is going to be tech and social media, both. These are going to be sources of contention. And what's beautiful about Saturn being in Pisces right now is Saturn in Pisces really is also, you know, just to kind of like even reiterate, I think what I said earlier, but this is about like intuition and our own like internal guidance and our understanding of like what we ultimately want to connect to at the end of our life, at the end of our time here. And also, you know, Pisces ruling intuitive practices and like the value of that everyone there's, you know, people always say like everyone is psychic. We are all psychic. We just have different ways of accessing that energy. And we can also choose whether or not we connect to it, or there are circumstances that pull us from our intuition, like trauma and things like that. So Saturn going through Pisces really is hoping that we will touch into these like evergreen practices and concepts and gifts that we have to navigate very like monkey mind, you know, Pluto and Aquarius is like, I just think about like Elon Musk and how chaotic he is. That's like a example of like, someone or some type of way of communicating that we want to use our Piscean tools to kind of just be like, okay, I'm <laughs> going to meditate. I'm not going to listen to this dude right now. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with that, Elon. <laughs> cool, very, very cool. I'm yeah. going to get my singing bowl very <laughs> drown you out. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of that using uh, singing bowls to drown people out. Okay. Good luck with that. You know, mm, <laughs> yeah. that, I mean, that's it. That's a big vibe. Sound bath all the time. I mean, Saturn and Pisces, I hope there's even more sound baths everywhere. Oh, I wanted there to be a sound bath every night. Listen, like, just meet me at the sound bath. Let's go to the club. I agree. Listen, I talked so much shit about sound baths. Like before I ever went, to, I was like, what is that? What do you mean? Me, 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 me. And um, then went to one and was like, this is the best, you know, got so stoned on the sound and felt so amazing afterwards. I was like, I'm sorry I ever talked shit about you. And one of the funniest things when my mom was going to a sound bath once, she was like, do I wear a bathing suit? And I was like, you don't actually bathe. And I love that. It was very cute. I don't think she'd be thrilled with me sharing that, but that's so Piscean. She's like extra ready for she it. Was. She was like, put me in the the oral waters. Yes, she was going because she was going to one. To, I think it, like at some one of those like salt places, you know. And so, so, and I, I mean, and that's fair if you have no idea what to expect. I too, you know, if you're going to a spa and all this stuff, I would be confused as well. Like do they play sound while I'm in a bath? You know, no. If you have no idea what a sound bath is, you literally just lay down and you get bathed in sound. You don't have to wear a bathing suit. You're not in water. If you are, you're having a really lucky, beautiful experience, but you literally just get bathed in the sound. You can always take a salt bath and put on a sound bath. And that's a pretty great time too. And that's a great, like, especially for the Saturn return people, in particular, the Saturn and Pisces crew, if you're having a hard time, definitely be taking baths. And I don't mean that to just be funny either. I genuinely mean like you really, 
the water will be a really good integrator as well. And taking baths is just great because you immediately go into parasympathetic. Like even if you're not doing a meditation or like holding yourself to some sort of like rigid healing or spiritual idea, you really surrender in water. Even if you're listening to something that potentially is like stressful or you're just in silence ruminating, you still are by nature, like going into parasympathetic and will eventually shift your energy. And, um, I think that would be a great practice too, like a very accessible practice. Yeah. My therapist was telling me that she was talking about in terms of the ocean, but was saying that like it lowers our heart rate because like our heart, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist. So I could be getting this horribly wrong. But to Vanessa's point about it engaging our, you know, parasympathetic system, it does something, it lowers our heart rate that literally just being held by water will bring your blood pressure down because something like we adjust to like the rhythm of the water or something she was telling me that like if you are that makes sense yeah that like just like if you are really stressed you're riled up or you sometimes you know you know you have that like anxiety that you you're like i've done all the things i cannot figure out what this is you know or what i'm anxious about or i cannot shift this i tell you what you get into a body of water and you're like oh wait i was anxious what you know i highly recommend that for people if you ever get that sometimes when it's just like you have done all the things i've used all my tools and yet it will not tell me what i'm afraid of you know water water's like i Spoken got you cancer it's <laughs> for real man you gotta you gotta find something sometimes we can't always work it out you know but that doesn't mean we have to live in anxious states i refuse so i'm like all right i'll take a midday shower why not yeah, big time. Yeah. And even, you know, that's another key word, you know, Aquarius is um, the modern ruler is Uranus and it is associated with the nervous system. So when Pluto or any like malefic planet enters Aquarius, there can be this like crackly nervous system feeling, not necessarily full on anxiety. Mm. I don't want to like, you know, say that everyone's going to have an uptick in their anxiety, especially because of how anxiety is. Yeah. Um, I don't want to give people anxiety about having more, but your nervous system. Crackly is a yeah. great, because I definitely experience that where you can just feel it. And there's like a bit of a charge in the air, which is also helpful to know that that's what other people in your life or you come across are also going to be affected by that little bit of the charge in the air feeling. I think it comes to when the seasons change, you just feel like there's just a little bit of something it's it's and it's not anxiety. It, it's like what you're saying. It's that that little bit of it's that charge that crackle. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just something to, to be aware of. And if you are someone who is prone towards anxiousness, just to be mindful of like caring for your nervous system also through, and again, this is goes back to like the integration and getting into the body, but using herbs, foods, like things that are like minerals, electrolytes, all of these things that nourish our nervous system, I think should definitely be in everyone's toolkit. Again, with the Saturn return people, you should definitely be thinking about that too. But just in general, yeah. The big thing with Pluto going through Aquarius is that like on a collective level, if we work with consciousness around, you know, being able to track in us when we are activated or 
when that anxious feeling is starting to bubble up and take us out of our clear consciousness, we want to have tools in the toolbox to help deescalate that. Because, you know, we we are in this period of time, especially, you know, in May, Jupiter will also enter Taurus, which is great because it will start to kind of potentially lay like the foundation for more resources and creativity and kind of a rebuilding feeling or around what we have been going through with Uranus going through there and kind of destabilizing the economy, destabilizing our understanding of what we value and what we want and what we're trying to kind of plant and glean rewards from. And so there is this potential for things to be more fertile and more positive. And so when Pluto goes through Aquarius, we want to make sure that Pluto doesn't sort of steal us from the joy. You know, when you're two in your brain and you're not you're not in the moment, we don't want Pluto to take us on this journey of being so in the head and so in the nervous system and so plugged in to sources of information that are coming so rapidly as it will during this period of time. We want to make sure also that our ultimate intention with Saturn and Pisces and then Jupiter and Taurus, you know, those two elements together, water and earth, this makes mud, this is about fertility, this is about presence, this is about all that we already have and caring for the earth and really like communing with the earth and not letting Pluto and Aquarius take us into where we think that Twitter is more important than the earth or or connection or cooking or, you know, those moment to moment joys. I don't know that it feels totally like the pendulum is is swinging, but it feels like we've had a meeting and decided that the pendulum should be swung at some point. You know, that we're going, yes, like the internet's incredible and like being able to be connected all the time is this like superpower and all this stuff. But also like eating a solid dinner is really good for you as well. <laughs> like seeing a person in real life, you know, like it does seem like we're trying to figure out like what, you know, where is like the mid ground? How do we integrate all these things versus just consume, 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 you know, which should be interesting. It should be interesting to see how things, because I don't think we want to go back to, you know, I don't think we, we want the pendulum to swing so back where we're like, let's pull the plug on the internet or something, you know, like not that those conversations are even being had, but I find it interesting. The youth that are getting the flip phones, like I find it interesting. Some of these things where it doesn't seem like it's being done to be cool or rebellious, you know, like if the cool thing is to have the iPhone that I want this flip phone or whatever a lot of them are like, it literally makes me feel better. It literally has like lowered my anxiety. You know, like, I wonder if we're moving into this time where people are going like, that's how I felt like social media is important to me. I have friendships I wouldn't have otherwise. I've seen things I wouldn't know about or see otherwise. As a creative person, it's been great for my creativity and all those things. I don't disagree that it can be bad, but it seems like we're moving into this age of we're really figuring out what is the amount that works for you? You know, it's like, what is the the healthy way for you to consume this? You know, that it's like really looking, expanding what our idea of diet is, you know, like we don't just eat, like we also consume social media and we also consume, you know, like what, what is, you know, like, what is it that works best for you? Like, I don't know if you've seen some of the conversations on Twitter about like secondhand shopping and stuff. And, I wonder if 
Sure. I would be curious your take on this from an astrological standpoint. Like, so now the conversation has been like, people are now shaming the people who sell secondhand clothing. Like there was a a woman who was selling a leather trench coat and she was selling it, I want to say for $150. And people were like, you know, some people were like, that's disgusting. Like quit taking secondhand clothes away from poor people and like all this stuff. Yeah. And then all these other people were like secondhand, like there's a difference between secondhand and thrift. And there's a difference between someone who makes this their business and you know, goes to all these shops and stuff. They're like, you can't find a leather trench for less than $150. Like, why shouldn't she? Like all of this stuff, but I wonder if we're going to be moving. I guess what I'm asking is, do you think we're moving into a time where nuance is going to enter the chat again? Because we Hmm. went so far away from it. And I'm seeing these little glimmers of people are going, yeah, but not quite, you know, or like, yes, you have a point, but like here it's a little different, you know, it's nuance. It's people are introducing nuance into all these arguments. Yeah. So there's a bunch, there is actually so much that you just said that I was like, oh, that's different astrology, all these different, that's a very rich example of thing kind of like where we have been and also where we're going because First of all, Saturn going through Aquarius, what that really was about too, like just with regard to like these younger kids and the flip phones, that was also about us really getting clear on like what in tech does matter versus like what is too much. Mm. And Saturn, because this is what Saturn does is it refines and it takes away. And ultimately, you know, what I like to believe and what I do think that we see is that there is hope in humanity. And there's especially hope in like younger generations who are just seeing things with fresher eyes and aren't as stuck in their ways where they're kind of like, hmm, through Saturn and Aquarius, I realized I feel better with a flip phone and I don't always want to be on every site that was introduced over the last, you know, however many years. In terms of nuance, I'm glad you're bringing this up because this is something that I have been, has been like a little stuck in my craw based on like astrological kind of stuff where I'm like, oh, we missed the moment. Because when the North Node entered Gemini, that really was what it was hoping to do. But because the stakes were so high and because there was so much astrology unearthing such urgent stuff and so many people needed to be like protected and spoken for and defended and so many situations were really dire, we weren't able to quickly enough get to the place where what that North Node really wanted from us was to acknowledge all of the problems but have a little bit of a more productive conversation so that more feasible change could really happen because we did see a lot of change for sure. But I also, I feel like many people sort of feel like in many ways, it feels like going back to business as usual and we need to figure out, you know, that was every North node shift is also meant to create more lasting change. And the Gemini North node, my hope was that it was going to open up some more conversations and more nuanced conversations because it's really in the nuanced conversations that we also create longer lasting solutions yeah. because we acknowledge all of the like, just like human fallibility, as well as all of the, like you were pointing out with the thrift thing, all of these different, you know, points of view and reasons why things, you know, should be priced a certain way or, or whatever it is, depending on what you're talking about. But what also is really interesting about that is that Uranus going through Taurus was both destabilizing to the economy 
Taurus is also ruled by Venus, which has a lot to do with how we need and express beauty and creativity. Like we need to have a reason to live. And that is self-expression. That is nourishment and food. That is beauty and art. It's, you know, there are so many things. We need to have those things. And Uranus going into Taurus both destabilized us to the point where we were unsure how we could have those things either ethically, logistically for mm-hmm. people who have experienced financial duress during this time. There's all this stuff, but then there's also innovation around self-expression. And so thrifting, I actually think the thrift conversation is very spot on for that because now we have the North Node in Taurus and the North Node will enter Aries in mid-July. We'll probably talk again about that. That's like a whole other episode at this point. <laughs> but we're finishing up the North Node in Taurus. And with the North Node in Taurus being ruled by Venus and having entered Taurus just before we had this big Venus retrograde in Capricorn, which is a which is a big player in the story of our recent evolution over the last three years astrologically. This really is about like having nuanced conversations around value and how everyone can kind of both make enough, make enough of a living to be able to live their lives and be both happy and and supported, as well as what is ethical and what is right. And so my hope is that nuanced conversations around that continue because we do need to figure out a way for us to live. Like that's the point, the point of supporting communities and the point of fighting for justice and equality is also to create a world that people want to live in. And living is really about like loving and connecting and existing. It's not like, you know, every single one of us doesn't want to be like working in the legal system or working in government or, you know, we don't all want to be doing the exact same thing and expressing ourselves in these exact same ways. There are, there are artists and there are, you know, thinkers and farmers and all of these people who contribute to the fabric of our lives, but they're under-resourced as well. So we need to figure out ways. And this is all of this Taurus energy is also about that. And the Taurus and Pisces shifts of this quarter in particular, I do think will put us into a space of really being like, okay, we have been trying our best to make structural change and we have to continue to take that responsibility. But we also need to really keep in mind that the point of these structural changes is to make it so that people can just can live. And I think that that's a great example of a Taurin expression of that. Mm. Yeah, I think about that so often with all the like chatter or the arguments or whatever, like boiling it down to like, usually what we're fighting about is just people are trying to live, you know, and how can we make a world where it's easier or more accessible or, you know, I was looking at some show or some famous person or some show and and someone had asked in the comments, like how many disabled people worked on this project or something. And I was like, it's interesting. There's so many things I think we're trying to do at once that sometimes I I understand that how we go between, I think like overwhelm of like, oh shit. Yeah, I I do. I need to, I need to think about like all these people, you know, but it also makes me really excited that people are getting more into the habit that someone does feel empowered enough to comment, like how many disabled people I was like, Ooh, like we're figuring out these ways for, for people to live, you know, and, and moving away just from like existing, which is so sad to me. And so empty, like, 
I don't know. It does feel sometimes when I get a little overwhelmed of how much is left to be done in this world or how much I would love to see change or grow or whatever. I think about how much I have seen change and evolve in my lifetime and see that we are moving beyond these like little crumbs of existence of like fighting to exist or whatever, that now it's like we are seeing it grow in numbers. The people who regardless of their lives or background or whatever are like, no, we, it's a returning to everyone has the right to live and thrive. You know, how do we get everyone to thriving and, you know, which is exciting to see what, how does that shake out or where do we where do we take that as a people? Have we touched on all of Q2? Is, is that, I mean, it seems like more than enough for us to chew on, but I just wanted to make sure, you know, we got to everything you wanted to share with us today. Yeah, I think if I go, if we were to go any further, it would get too long. And these are three, you know, I'll just run down okay. one more time, but March 7th, Saturn enters Pisces, March 23rd, Pluto enters Aquarius, and then on May 16th, Jupiter enters Taurus. So this is bringing an emphasis to these three signs. So if you want to start there and start meditating on that, thinking about that, seeing where it ends in your chart, that, you know, that's a really good, I think, place to wrap up. We do have two Aries new moons this quarter. Oh yeah. But I'm not going to speak on those because that'll, that would take us into a whole other convo. <laughs> but what I do want to say about those two Aries eclipses is to just be kind of keeping those on your radar because we have the North node entering Aries in July. So that's the next sort of phase of collective evolution and who you are within that may present at that time for those eclipses. So those new moons, so just be thinking about that too. But the three, the three heavy hitters are Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter. You heard it here first, you know, those heavy hitters, Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter. Okay. And then I'm an Aries rising. So I'm going to look at my first house for what fuckery is about to pop off there. I didn't realize we had we had two this season. How how exciting. I've been a little out of my lunar practice. I think this airy season would be a great time to get back in. Cool. All right. I'll do that. It was funny. I thought about it for this past new moon. Um, I meant to at least just like light a candle and then was like, meh. I go in and out of it. But good to know. Good to know. I will put that. I will store that in my back pocket. Before we wrap up, you got anything, anything else you want to add or where can people find you? Well, people can find me on Instagram at vhardytv. <laughs> you can also find my newsletter, View of an Hour, on Substack. And in terms of anything else, I do just one more time want to tell our Saturn and Pisces crew <laughs> not to be scared. I know there are so many amazing astrologers doing really cool Saturn content and classes. So I guess one thing I would say, especially for the Saturn return people, but also for anyone else who has heavy Pisces placements or is just feeling like they um, just want to make sure they understand this one to seek out, you know, some courses or, or content on it because Saturn really is the time to learn. That's the planet that wants us to learn. So see it as an invitation. And for the Saturn return crew too, like one of the things is, is that Saturn is 
our karma. And during the Saturn return, we often find teachers and relationships and allies and partners who are really meant to form and shape this. So if you're feeling called to take a course or do a training, even Mm. it definitely is part of your karma and part of your Saturn journey. When I had my Saturn return was when I changed so many different things about my career and about my healing work. And it was this huge, it was really like painful time and a really fruitful time. And I I got into a real habit of like remedying my anguish with education and, you know, and just being like, okay, I'm literally at a rock bottom, just got fired, just got broken up with whatever it is that happens. And so I just was like, what can I do with my energy today? I'm going to go volunteer here. And then through that volunteer job came real jobs and just all of these little magical things. It's definitely a time of like potential synchronicities like amongst the pain or, or challenges. So try to see it, see it as like that type of opportunity and good things will come. I love that. Remedying your anguish with education. That's some wise words there. And I always like to tell people who are all flipped out about their Saturn return. I'm like, yo, I had cancer during mine. Like it could be worse not to make it a competition, but I'm like, you worrying about like whether or not you're on your path about your career. Like that's a privilege of a thing to, to ponder, you know, that sometimes it can be helpful. I think to remember again, choice. You can choose doom. You can choose being like, I'm scared it's coming. Or you can go, I'm going to choose to investigate why this freaks me out so much. You know, like it can be helpful to see. And again, I don't say that in like a blaming or like, oh, if you're all freaked out, you're a real asshole. Like, I don't mean it like that. I mean, when we're in those spaces, it's hard to remember what is a choice. And sometimes with our feelings, we have a little more choice than we maybe want to own, you know, that we want to just be like, no, I'm sad or I'm scared. And it's like, you know, sometimes we, if you feel into that, you can find a little bit more of the choice. You can, and that can also help you figure out what is the treatment, you know, what is the healing? How is the way you need to care for yourself versus just stewing? I'm right now, I'm in a phase of my life. I'm very anti-stewing. I only want to make delicious stews that I eat. I don't want to create them in my mind and my bod. So that's where I'm at for where where my bias is. I'm, I'm, I'm opposed to mental stew and I'm pro real stews, I guess. I love that. If you can't, if you can't see it or smell it, yeah. get rid of it. Yes. Stew wise. There we go. Speaking All exclusively right. to stews. <laughs> Well, Vanessa will be back to talk about Q3. Let's hope we've had a great quarter. I never get to talk really about the Qs. So it thrills me that Vanessa lets me feel like a business lady talking about our our quarters. So she will be back to talk about Q3. I heard from a lot of you that you enjoy these episodes with Vanessa. So thank you. I appreciate all of you that are have shared with me like your journeys of starting to learn a little bit of, about astrology. I do share a lot of them with Vanessa so she knows as well. But you can also praise her directly. Just letting y'all know that's an option. She is available, available for praise. That's something I'm trying to be better about in my life in general is I'll often compliment people behind their back or like I'll t- I'll be like telling a friend of like oh my god yeah my friend so and so is like so smart and all this stuff and I've been trying to be better to be like direct about it you know and just being like I think you're really smart I think you're really talented so I would invite other people well and that's such a that's really like such a gift to give someone I think that that's really I don't think we that's not a habit that we have socially I think enough or we're not taught that enough or that 
compliments are meant to be like rationed and that I, I think we should all be supporting and seeing each other. And I think the more that we do that, the, the less, the less um, competition and, and um, self doubt we may see. So I almost feel like too, thinking like keeping that in mind as a service, like a community service yeah. is to just like, see, like let people know you see them, yeah. especially when they're like doing things that they love or whatever it is. I, I love to do that. I have people in my life. I think that probably I don't even know well enough and I'll just text them and be like, awesome job on your podcast. <laughs> and they're like, okay, <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's good. I think a lot of people don't know how to receive it. And I think if we all want to talk about trauma less, which I mean, I'd be down with, we got to crowd it out with good things and not in a toxic positivity way, but we all have to develop those muscles, whether it's like feeling confident enough to say, I see you and I like what I see and what you're doing or receive it when someone says that, you know, like basics, man, sometimes where you're just like, oh yeah, we have to work on this as a collective. If we, you know, we all want to like be walking in our purpose and leading these very full rich lives. But then if someone's like, I like your shirt, we're like, oh, this, you know, like we can't handle it. So sometimes I'm like, how does this work in our heads? You know? So all that being said, please do bombard Vanessa with DMs telling her about her brilliance. No, I'm kidding. Don't bombard her. That's not nice. Well, and and also know that I'm reflecting the same to you and and just appreciate. And I appreciate you so much having me on and I love having these talks and you have such a, the people I have talked to from your community, especially are just so like cool and fun and funny and the exact people that I would want to hear me speaking. So it's a, it's a goes both ways situation. It is a gift. That's something I have to say, like, I feel very blessed. I feel very blessed about, who listens to this podcast. I appreciate each and every single one of you. I really do. And I'm not going to cry about it again. Like I did last time when I got all emo about appreciating all of you, but I really do. I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot. It's enriched my life. I was very excited to record with Vanessa today because she's a bud and I like building this community of people who come on this. It just, it all, it's all very much the thing. It is very much my shit. And I appreciate that all of you who make it possible because I can't do it alone. That's something I feel very aware of as I get older, that yes, you may need to like lead the charge or have a really clear vision, but very few people accomplish anything entirely on their own. So we all do play a part. We all are important in some way or another. And y'all are important because you're letting me like, I don't know, figure some shit out. And I'm very grateful to all of you. So before this becomes the like existentialism podcast, I think I will end for us today on Astrology Q2 before I just start going like, it really means so much to me that all of you listen and we're interconnected. Um, well, I mean, it's very, very Pisces season and very Saturn and Pisces to leave on a, a soft crying softly. <laughs> Yeah. Fading out, crying softly, <laughs> loving everyone. So yes, with with through our tears, we say goodbye today. So thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Bye. 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 
Oh, right. I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to immediately go bust out my birth chart and look at where Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter are. I'm always so appreciative to Vanessa. I think she shares the depth of her knowledge in such an approachable and accessible way. Um, I hope y'all still love her as much as I do. I think you do. I get a lot of comments, get a lot of DMs. Um, So yeah, I hope everybody is weathering our current astrological storm well. I don't think it's a storm, but let's say our weather well and taking care of themselves. And don't worry, you can either book a session with Vanessa if you want to really dial in or she will be back to talk about Q3 so let's hang in there until Q3 bye that's all for today if you're interested in submitting a topic please go to anatonk.com and hit the contact button or you can email me at annatonk at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help.